When it comes to safety, nothing is more important than your vehicle's brakes. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing or grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest and BrakeBest Select at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brakes from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Gosh, it's been a few days. Good morning, everybody. What's up? This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude, aka Gratitude Unfiltered. Still haven't figured out how to change the name yet. I am, uh, yeah, it's been a few days. So, you know, there's a lot going on. I do apologize for missing a couple days of the show. Uh, but we are back live today. This is, what is today? Tuesday, June 12th. Golly. Uh, good morning. I hope everyone's doing well this morning. Right now we are being heard on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn. And of course, we're hanging out with you on Facebook and YouTube. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, man, what a day. So we're in the middle of uh, moving. And so right when I moved to this little, I think if you look at the, the history of the show and you start looking back at like all the different locations <laughs> that I've, I've filmed, this, is, this corner is the one that I cannot wait to get out of the most. But I, at the same time, the price of that corner is that my daughter is here and she's uh, maintaining the, the studio uh, that I had. So it is what it is. It's just awfully weird, like, you know what they say about having your, like, a TV in your bedroom? How many, I don't know how many of you are watching right now that have a TV in your bedroom, but they say you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom. And the reason why is because it, it's, it's stimulating. Or you're always thinking, oh, I gotta watch TV, I gotta watch TV, or you fall asleep with the TV on. Well, this, for me, when I see my desk in my bedroom, I, it makes me go, I gotta work. I gotta work. I gotta work. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. So I really have not enjoyed having my desk. What's up, Lauren? Um, is that Brandon? Can I see you? No, it's Dob. Oh, very cool. I wonder if he can log on. Um, that's our guest coming up, which is exciting. But I like staring at my desk, and and when I wake up in the morning, the first thing, like my whole routine has shifted. It's maddening. Like I wonder. I'm 39 years old now, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, for all the changes and the breakthroughs and all of these things that have, that have happened in my life, the one thing that I'm obsessed with and I don't like it, like it screwed with at all is my morning routine. Like, I love my routine. 
but I don't like my routine all bundled up in like like in the same place. I like to spread it out. Like I have my walk that I do every day to the gym, and you know, and I where I stop and get coffee. It's like I I have this rhythm that I get into every morning, and ever since I moved to this corner, it has been. I'm all over the place. What's up? Oh, you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Barron, our guest. You click the link that's in your email. Um, this one right here. You can copy and paste and join this if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, all you're supposed to do is have to click the link. So, uh, Mr. Barron, if you are on Chrome, then you'll be good to go. You'll pop up right on my screen. I'll be able to see you and add you in. So you can just copy that. Um, I understand that so very clearly when my routine has changed is an absolute challenge to deal with. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, Robert, it is. It's absolutely a challenge. And it's, you're on Chrome. Okay, just click that link and you'll be good to go. Maybe I'll send it through your messenger. We'll try that and see. Sorry, guys. Uh, Sorry, radio audience. We were talking to our guest and this is the fun of live programming. (laughs) <laughs> go, let me go on here and send this message. But yeah, my routine is so jacked right now. Like I, oh man, I got to get back on it. It's like my comfort blanket. I'm 39 years old and I have a freaking comfort blanket. Maybe we can talk about Dove, Mr. Uh, Baron, about this. Here, I'm going to message him right there. Okay, Mr. Baron, you're good to go. I sent you the link through Facebook Messenger. You're good to go. It's become my comfort blanket. And I've actually had virtually the same routine for a good portion of my life. I've just added things like gratitude, hence this being, you know, morning gratitude. And by the way, today I'm grateful. I've, you know, it's funny. I'm 39. I keep, I've said this three times now, but the fact is that I, like, I still am amazed at life lessons and the things that you learn. And every time you think you've learned something, well, you find a new way of learning it again. And that is what I've experienced. The last four months has been an absolute adventure of my life. And I've learned so many lessons, some painful lessons, and some really, really powerful ones also. Um, and I'm really excited because our guest, Mr. is it is Dov Baron has been speaking internationally for over 30 years. He's the man with a finger on the pulse of the evolving world of next-gen leadership. I cannot wait to talk about this. Twice cited as one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers to hire, Mr. Barron is a master storyteller who has had the honor of representing the World Business Conference in Tehran, as well as speaking for the State Department and the United Nations on leadership. Oh, my God. He is considered by many as the leading authority on authentic leadership and the founder of Full Monty Leadership. I'm going to join this. I'm already telling you right now, I've read a half of a paragraph and I'm joining this this academy. The Authentic Speaker Academy for Leadership outside of his speaking and training, Mr. Barron works with multidisciplinary leaders and executive teams to build the bonds that create organizational cultures that become fiercely loyal. He's a best-selling author, uh, he has a book called Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. Boy, this is going to be a fun conversation. He is the host of the national TV show Pursuing Deep Greatness with Dove Barron on Roku TV. 
and the host of number one podcast for Fortune 500 listeners. Wow. Dove's Baron Leadership and Loyalty Show on iTunes. He also writes for and has been featured in many industries, uh, magazines, including C- and being featured on CNN, CS, uh, CBS Small Business Pulse, SHRM, Yahoo Finance, Boston Globe, Business and Vancouver, USA Today, CEO, entrepreneur, golly, he's the most accomplished man we've ever had on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Mr. Barron. What's up, Rebecca? How are you, sir? Nice to finally have you on the show. I'm coming through, am I? I'm sorry, I was, uh, I was having a bit of a technical brain fart. <laughs> you know what? We have brain farts on this show every single day, so it's totally fine. Mr. Barron, what are you... Not yet. I don't even think nootropics will help that. Um, first things first, Mr. Barron, what are you grateful for this morning? My beloved bride, we've been married 20 years this year, and she is the greatest gift of my life. Every morning, every night, I'm grateful that she chose to say yes when I asked her to marry me. There's not a single day goes by that I'm not incredibly grateful for her. So that's where I start my day, and that's how I end my day. That is, uh, that's impressive. How'd you guys meet? Blind date. Really? What did you guys, what did you guys do? I know what you're talking about. I'm 5'8", dark hair, blue eyes, 
who's six feet ten, seven hundred and fifty pounds, with a hump on my back. She goes, which one is it? I go, you pick. So she was like frustrated, but she was okay. So I know what she's gonna do. She's gonna call my buddy who set us up, and she's gonna ask him. But I got him on speed dial, so I go, she's gonna call. She's gonna tell us all I am. Don't tell her. He goes, okay. So he doesn't tell. She shows up at the date, and as she shows up, I, I'm, I'm there first. I'm, I'm there. It's April, and I'm sweating like it's August. I'm just I'm really nervous. I'm and I don't, we've gotten along great. There's no uncomfortable discomfort at all. And we're getting along fantastic. But I am really nervous because I really want to meet her. And I see her walk in. I know it's her. She's this gorgeous, exotic beauty. And she walks through the door. But she's holding something in her hand. I don't know what it is. So I walk over to her. And, and now remember, she's six feet one at this point in her heel. And I'm five eight. Right? Uh-oh. So I'm at boob height. Is that like to say? Again, not politically correct. But she's holding a sign, and the sign says, looking for a man, 6 feet 10, 750 pounds, hump on his back. Right there, my friend. I knew this was the girl for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. We've been married September, and the greatest gift of my life. Absolutely. <clears throat> Every day, I'm just in awe of her magnificence, her brilliance, her... Uh, Everything about it. Every day is a gift. Man, you're winning over the ladies right now. Um, that's incredible. That is so cool. So, how much do you say? Would you say that leadership and your expertise in leadership has played into a role, or this into the success of your marriage? Um, I, I think it's symbiotic. So everything I teach about leadership, as you mentioned at the beginning, I teach on leadership around the world. But everything I teach on leadership, one of the things I say is that everything I'm going to share with you about leadership is applicable to your marriage and how you parent. And I've not done. If you are not improving your relationships with your children and your and your partners, then I've not really done my job. You've taken something academic. What it, so? It's about being fully present in your relationship, being fully present in your leadership, being purpose-driven in your relationship, being purpose-driven in your leadership, knowing what is non-negotiable, knowing absolutely this is where the line is, and I will not waver from that line. So here's one of the principles of leadership that we teach, and it's the same principle in our marriage, and people are going to be shocked about this. It's a no-compromise marriage. Now, I know you've all been conditioned to believe that the way to have a successful marriage is compromise, but it's actually the death of a relationship. Go look at the word. Compromise means to weaken. I don't want to weaken my relationship. So I've got to know what's absolutely rock-solid, non-negotiable, and everything else doesn't really matter. Everything else is like, eh, whatever. So I want to find a way to cooperate, but not compromise. I want to co-promise, but not compromise. Wow. That, okay, that makes sense. So what is the root of your leadership teaching? Do you know what I mean? I mean, some people believe that leadership is emotional intelligence and they, and they go all out on that. Like, tell, tell me what the root and the foundation of your leadership teaching is. Thank you for asking. You know, um, of course, uh, emotional intelligence is, is hugely important. Um, and most people don't actually grasp what it is because they only grasp a small level of it and it's vast and it's deep. Um, 
but if I put what leadership is, first and foremost, it's self-knowledge. You can't lead others until you can lead yourself. And you can't lead yourself if you don't know who you are. And when people say, but I know who I am, and then I ask them three or four questions, and it's like, yeah, you really don't. And that's okay. It's not bad to not know yourself. It's just bad to deny. So what don't I know? What is your founding principles of your life? What is non-negotiable for you? What is your life's purpose? If you don't know your life's purpose, you don't have self-knowledge. If you don't have self-knowledge, you're leading from whatever shows up in the moment. You're reactive rather than centered in, this is why I'm here on the planet. And this is where I lead from. That is... So you gotta be purpose first, and and self-knowledge, purpose, being purpose first. Yeah, purpose is a big, uh, the foundation of what this show is really all about is passion, purpose, and really showing that it's it's never too late to turn your life around. You know, I my story is pretty well documented on the show and we don't need to go to it now, but it's been a journey and everyone that has been a part of the show has seen that journey and it's, it's been very, very amazing, but passion and purpose... And, and, and fulfilling what we were created to do is the root of what this show is about. Because I do believe that we're all given a purpose. We're all given, you know, a voice and a message that needs to be heard by someone. And I, I didn't really believe this. And I thought it was in crazy until recently. But I've heard that, you know, we choose, like, we all, every one of us go through hard times. You know, some there's some self-inflicted wounds along the way, of course. But the things that happened to us as a child, like, I really believe that that is where our purpose is born. And we have a, we have a choice. We have a choice of, do we, do we remain the victim? Or do we now start to take all of this hurt and use it to bless other people? To be that messenger. And that is the thing that has brought me the most comfort in, in my journey is that, Okay, now I can live in, now that I know that living in 100% truth, for, for better or worse, is, is where I will find the most joy, where I'm the most free, where I'm the most creative, where I'm the most blessed, when I have the best relationships. But it's also that knowledge of what comes with that is that I get to use it to help other people. What is your feeling about that? I released a new book a couple of weeks ago. It went bestseller, and uh, it's called One Red Thread. And the beginning of the book starts off by saying, imagine yourself in a marvelous art gallery, beautiful art gallery. As you look around at all these incredible pieces of art, you're in awe. And suddenly, out of the corner of your eye, there's a beautiful tapestry on the wall. It's like, wow. You walk over to examine it, and it's magnificent. It's incredibly complex, and yet so simple in its design. And underneath, you see a little sign, and it tells you about it. And it says the name of the piece is called One Red Thread. And it goes on to explain that One Red Thread is about how this tapestry represents the tapestry of our lives. And that throughout our lives, there is a single red thread that is woven into every part of it. It is what holds it together, and it is what gives it strength. That is your purpose. But it is not always on the surface, it is often underneath. Wow. But your purpose has always been with you. And and this is the thing that I want to just get 
there's a vast difference between your passion and your purpose. Most people mix those two things up. So they go, well, this is, you know, I'm very passionate about this. I don't care. <laughs> and they go, well, yeah, it is. And I go, okay, and this is the example I like to give. Again, not politically correct, but this is the best example I can think of due to my lack of thinking. Uh, but it's this, is that if your passion was supposed to be your purpose, and we ask every straight guy, what were you passionate about when you were 15 to 18 years old? Jerking off. We would all have careers in gynecology. <laughs> there would be no shortage of gynecologists because we were all straight guys were passionate about that. <laughs> that is not my purpose. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so what I, what I point out is that your purpose, so your passion is what you get. It's what you get. I, I'm passionate about this because it fills me up, but it's what I get. Yeah. Your purpose is what you give. It's how you serve. And when you serve from a place of pain, not a place of pleasure, the pain I went through, what I struggled with, is what I must bring to the world. Right. I am here to heal the pain I suffered when I see it in others because I don't live in the world. I live in the mirror. Everything is reflecting back to me. Man, that's great. Robert says, too much thinking can get in the way of your purpose. What do you say about that? Um, I think that too much thinking can get in the way of anything. Analyzation <laughs> can definitely be a problem. <laughs> no kidding. I, I, I like the way how, I, I like your choice of wording and how you frame words. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so where, wait, where do you live? Oh wow! So wait, that's on. You're on my time zone then, right? I, I mean, know, I don't know where you're oh sorry, San Diego, yeah, San Diego. Sorry, my time zone. Like I'm the one that gets to claim it. Damn right. Uh, don't you forget it. The audience is really, really digging you. Some of the comments are f fantastic. Oh, see, now the Canadian jokes come. Okay. So this is great. He's a Canadian. So he's a, we have a lot of Canadians that watch the show, and uh, Robert is one of them. So they're all excited to see you. So I want to talk... No, I thought you were born in Oklahoma. Oh. Oh. Really? <laughs> Let me ask you something. So, tell me, tell me how you got to the United Nations. That is, by the way. So, my really, really quick backstory. The show's not about me right now. It's about you. But I do want to say my goal is to go to the United Nations, and I, I visualize all the time about when I get there because of what I'm going to create in the world and what I've started to is I'm going to get an award called the world's mayor. And I, that's going to be my official title is the world's mayor, the world's mayor. I even own the domain, but I'm serious about this. Yes. I'm very serious about it. 
So I, I, I dream about it a lot. But how did you get there? Because every time I see United Nations, and, and one of my guests has been there, I freak out and get excited about it. Because to me, that's like the ultimate. Getting to the United Nations and having them officially name me the world's mayor. Not because of like, for anything other than what I've helped create in the world. That's it. So how did you get there and, and get to have the opportunity to teach and talk about leadership? Um, many years ago, I was, um, I, used to, I ran and owned a, a public seminar company with all my own intellectual property, meaning uh, multi-day seminars that were all my own material. Uh, there were six of them that ran for five days at a time. So there was a lot of material in there. And uh, one of my students invited another student to come to this particular opening weekend. He came, and at the end of it, um, my student bought this guy uh, one hour with me. So he showed up in my office, and he's sitting there, and his friend has paid a considerable sum for an hour, and we're like 20 minutes in, and the guy is sitting in front of me, Tony, is not really saying much. He's actually talking around the houses. And being me, and I said, Tony, can we stop bullshitting here? And can you just tell me whatever's going on? Because I want to help you, and I want to use your time wisely, but you're talking around the houses here. So what is the deal? And the guy stops and looks like he's swallowing a couple of golf balls, is really struggling, and he finally spits out that he was the... Uh, West Coast leader and Canadian uh, uh, second-in-command for the Aryan movement, for the white supremacist neo-Nazis. And he's telling me the details of this with a lot of shame on his face. Um, and he's telling me that uh, all of this and really struggling. And it, he looks over at me and I've got this big-ass smile on my face. And he's like, like, now he's mad. What are you smiling at? What's so funny? And I said, you do know I was born Jewish, right? <laughs> and he just looks at me and goes, fucking irony. <laughs> uh, and we both cracked up laughing. Um, and I de-radicalized him from being a neo-Nazi. So we were invited to speak at the UN because he now runs an organization called Life After Hate, which helps people inside of the Aryan and, else, and the very extreme right who are, you know, racists and fascists and all those kind of things. And he helps them to come back into society and be members of society. But I'm the one who de-radicalized him and he, he gives me that, that accolade. So we were asked to speak together at the UN and at the State Department because we were, they were looking at how to de-radicalize leadership because of course it's leadership and so they were asking us how did I do it, what, was, what did I do and how did I do it to get him out because the truth is that Tony was actually already out of the movement but the movement wasn't out of him. Sure. That thinking was still going on in his head. He left because he had children but, he, but the belief system was still in his head. And today, today, as we speak, he's in Auschwitz. He's in Auschwitz today, as we speak, because I was supposed to be there with him, but I couldn't go. But he's in Auschwitz right now with a, with a film crew, 
filming him and having an empathetic and, and compassionate experience of being at Auschwitz. How does, I, this may be, I think I already know the answer, but I want to ask you, but how does one go from being born one of God's children to, I hate you because you don't look like me? Like, how does that happen? Like, I don't know how, and, and I, I say, I want, to, I, want, I want to back up and say this first. I'm from Oklahoma, hence the Oklahoma joke earlier. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> that's not very nice. Um, but I'm from, I, I'm from there. Oh, that is a good movie. That's a great movie. I, the fork. And, <laughs> but so, but I, and it's, and it's different. Like it's not where it's not New York. It's not the West coast. It's not where, you know, you just, it's, you're used to seeing people from all over the world all the time where it's just like you, you hear the different sights and sounds and you realize pretty quickly that, Hey, we really are all the same. It's not as, it's not as racially divided, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And, but I grew up like just loving kind of everybody. Well, I mean, I, and, and, and like, I didn't know any different. And I, I was blown away to learn as I got older what some of my friends from diff, that have different nationalities, whether they're African-American or they were Jewish. And sure, I heard about history, but like I didn't really get it, like what was happening to the people. How So from that perspective where I just somehow missed it, I missed that I was supposed to hate somebody and I missed that I was supposed to like be scared of people that didn't look and sound like me. How do people get groomed to be so filled of hate and be, and, and you know, a, a, a skinhead, even though I'm bald, but <laughs> even though you are literally a skinhead, yes, even though literally I'm a skinhead. Right. Um, first, I'm sure that you and I believe the same thing, which is that nobody's born of hating. Right. It's not possible. But the truth of the matter is, and I want to help everybody to grasp this because I think it's so vitally important, and that is that. At a base level, human beings are tribal. Every single human being you've ever met wants to be loved, wants to be validated, wants to be recognized, and wants to be valued. That's a basic need in all of us. And in that place, if we don't feel loved, acknowledged, recognized, and validated within our tribe, we will find another tribe in which we will be. When our tribe rejects us or we perceive the rejection, we will naturally go to the next tribe. This is how incredibly intelligent people end up in cults. One of my studies was that I spent years studying cult psychology. And the reason people end up in cults is because people welcome them and where their own tribe has rejected them. Mm -hmm. So if you are, and Tony is, a highly intelligent, articulate individual who is, um, you know, has, a, you know, is very able to think and articulate powerful messages. But your dad doesn't want to hear you. Your mom doesn't understand you. You're bullied at school. The teachers don't get you. The kids at school don't get you. And suddenly you find yourself in an environment where people acknowledge and validate <coughs> you and your intelligence and, and your articulation. And they say, hey, we will give you the rounds of applause. We will recognize you. We will validate you. Here's our philosophy. Of course, why wouldn't you? 
And it's not the philosophy of hate. Why wouldn't you? So here's the thing. This is why we're divided in America today. is because we think about us and them. Instead of having it, you know, I do a lot of political talk and I've done a lot of political shows and, you know, I'm a political commentator on a lot of things. And one of the things I talk about in this country that's divided, it's because people have forgotten to be in the tribe of America. And instead they're in the tribe of Republicans or Democrats or some other... Or CrossFit. Oh, are you CrossFit or whatever? But, this, that's a, but that's a great example, Joshua, because it's a tribe. And we all want to belong. It's inherently needed. So if you can... Part of... So I'll give you an example. When we were at the UN... One of the questions they're asking is, what was the language that Dove used with Tony to de-radicalize? And Tony and I laughed, and we said, there is no language. Because they were looking for this universal language. I said, if you create universal language, you'll immediately, immediately push people away. Because they'll not feel part of it. So they said, they said so Tony, what, you know, what de-radicalizing language did Dov use? And he said he didn't use de-radicalization of language. It was none of that. So they said, well, what did he use? And we both said it exactly the same time. Monty Python. Monty Python? Monty Python? That was the de-radicalizing language? And we said, yes. And they said, how is that possible? And they said, rapport. Simply rapport. I found out where he was and went to where he is. I don't try to take him to where I think he should be. I have to meet people where they are. Wow. And that's all I did. I met Tony where he was. I knew that his father was British. I knew that he'd spent some time as a kid in the UK. And I knew he'd probably grown up in Monty Python. So I threw a few Monty Pythons out there and there was an instant bond, an instant connection. And so we were able to make fun of him and of me and of ourselves. It, uh, you know, in self-deprecating humor around finding rapport in Monty Python. Wow. So that was the de-radicalization language, which was rapport. That's so freaking awesome. So really quick, because we're almost out of time. Um, I tell us real quick about your leadership course and what people like, or what our viewers and, and, and listeners can expect from it. So we have uh, a range of them. If you are uh, 42, is the answer. Thank you. Um, so if you want, if you want to find out more about my, there's a whole range of programs. But my main leadership is under fullmontyleadership.com. Is where you can find out about it. But as you mentioned, Joshua, we also have the Authentic Speaker Academy for Leadership, in which we teach people how to be speakers and leaders. We do that in groups. We do that as individuals. I work with companies. I work with individuals. I do both. And, you know, it's really about coming back to finding your purpose, getting in touch with your purpose. Um, as I said, you can go find my newest ebook, which is called One Red Thread. And we actually have a course on finding your purpose as well uh, that's actually an intensive. So those are the simplest ways. You can find all of my things on Full Monty Leadership. As you know, Joshua, I have a podcast, Dog <laughs> Brown's Leadership and Loyalty. That's all. Um, you can find that anywhere. Uh, on iTunes and all those kinds of places, we got we're uh, across the U.S. on national uh, terrestrial radio stations as well as iTunes and iHeart and all those other places. What's the right for all the other places you mentioned? And I'm on YouTube, etc. And of course, here on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's a fun audience. 
<clears throat> this show started here, and I've, regardless of, uh, I've got a, a deal that we're working on about to go to a radio, uh, an- another platform, but it's Facebook is where I started, and like I, <clears throat> interacting with the group here, and you know, it, it's it's kind of like part of the routine, so. I don't know how the podcast audience receives it because I'm always talking to this audience, but whatever. It started on Facebook, and that's how I'm going to finish it. So. Yeah, and I, I, I really like it, and I, you know, I do a lot of Facebook lives. I do Facebook live twice a week usually, so there's a lot of that. But I actually love this format, you know, where you're interacting with a guest and your audience all the same time. And it's just lovely stuff. It's great stuff, and. and you know, one of the things I say, and this is important for you as you as you're watching this, is you know, Josh is taking the time to bring guests in here for you to add value to you. So please make sure that you let him know the value he's bringing. Because listen, I said in the beginning, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the Dalai Lama or you're Josh or you're me. The human beings need to be recognized and validated. So he takes the time, the energy, the effort to bring you guests to have them on the show, to share their knowledge and their wisdom with you, to help you at least let the guy know. Write to him, tell him the value that he's brought, appreciate him, recognize him, and if you can, work with him. And by the way, feel free to write to me. You can write to me personally, dov, D-O-V, at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N dot com, dov at dov Write to me, tell me what you've got out of this. You can go to my Facebook page too, Dog Baron Leadership, you can go there, tell me what you got out of this. Tell me the impact of it. Tell me what you're going to do with it. Because information is worth the hole in the donut. Transformation comes from application. So write to us. Tell us what you're going to do with it. And make sure you appreciate Joshua. You're, you're, you're terrific. I am so glad that we finally got this opportunity. Um, <clears throat> it means a lot to me. I, I really... It really does. You're incredible, and I cannot wait. I'm going to check out your leadership course today. Is it good for people who already know their purpose? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's two things. One is... Oh, shoot. I almost kicked I kicked him out on accident. Sorry about that. Wrong button. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I... Get out. I give you the hook. No. And this is what we've all got to get. We are here to serve. Our life doesn't work when we're here to get. But your life works when you're here to give. Amen to that. Well, listen, God bless you. Thank you so much for being on the show. You have an amazing day, and I will be in touch very soon. Thank you, my friend. It was an honor and a pleasure to be here to serve you and your audience. Yes, sir. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. He was freaking awesome. How awesome was that guy? He was awesome. Anyway, I said awesome three times, so that means we have to end the show. Love you guys. Have a good day. Bye. Something big is shocking San Diego. Something so powerful and so electrifying, you have to experience it to believe it. It's Electric Eel, SeaWorld's new triple launch coaster, reaching 62 miles per hour and nearly 150 feet in the air. With the only upside-down view of Mission Bay, Electric Eel. Now open at SeaWorld. Right now, get a SeaWorld single-day ticket from $59.99. Advanced purchase only.